I'm Shereen Pratik, and this is Starting Out, Digiday's latest podcast. I often meet some of the most interesting people in the marketing industry, and while what they do today is really interesting, innovative, and often groundbreaking, where they came from and how they got here is even more so. That's why we decided to start Starting Out, a personal way to find out how the industry's biggest movers and shakers made it, what's their special power is, and what makes them tick. Starting Out, we'll talk shop, but also throwback to how it all began. Thank you for joining me. If you were to write a book about your life, what would it be called? Keeping it straight, keeping it simple. I'm Sarah Thompson, Global CEO at Droga5. Droga5 is one of the biggest and most influential agencies in the world, and Sarah Thompson leads it. Now, you're probably thinking you'd need a connection there to get your foot in the door. But what is a connection? The connection you had that got you your first job or your current job? And what would have happened if you didn't even have a connection to the industry? Well, that's how Sarah started out in the industry, without a connection. After college, you know, I always say to everyone, I didn't even know what a connection was. You know, I didn't know people who had connections. I didn't have anyone to call at an ad agency. You know, I was, um, you know, I used to walk really far to get the latest copy of Ad Week to look at the help wanted ads. That's a true story in San Francisco, Um, you know, to try to push and, and get different jobs because I, but I think what it did, you know, I didn't just walk into a kind of, um, at a young junior stage, a prime spot, I had to work into them. So it meant more, you know, when I finally achieved and started getting to the places that I wanted to be, I took it more seriously. And I felt like it was a privilege. Tell me about you getting your first job. Yes, my first job was at um, a little market in Farmington, Maine called Ron's Market. I think I was 15 because you can work pretty early in Maine. (laughs) I was desperate to get a job. I couldn't wait to get a job. I love to work. I would go like three days a week after field hockey practice as a sophomore um, because that's where you had money. You know, it was it just wasn't ever even a question. You know, both of my sisters had I think they had one worked at a pizza shop. The other one was a waitress. You know, as soon as you could legally work, the closest mall was two hours away. So, um, you know, working so you could buy a sandwich after practice or or whatever it was. It wasn't because, you know, people were living below the poverty line, but it was because that was just, you worked for the, you worked for money for the basic things that you wanted to do. So tell me about Ron's Market. What was your, what did you do there? Um, I was a cashier and, um, yeah, it was a small family owned market. You know, I think his kids were in high school with me and there was, you know, a couple of my friends worked there. We took different shifts and, you know, we took it, I took it very seriously. My mother still remembers, um, there was an ice storm in Maine once and it was like a state of emergency. This must've been in the eighties, not to date myself, but, um, I was like adamant. I had like an old 1975 Jeep Wagoneer and I was adamant that I had to get to Ron's market because it was going to be so busy because people were getting supplies and American bread. It was right near a really big um, trailer park and there was a lot of people there with food stamps. So um, I felt like I needed to get there because it was going to be too overwhelming for Ron <laughs> and his son and his daughter and the roads were fine. I just drove very carefully in the ice after the ice storm. So, um, yeah, it was, you know, it was a big part of our life. I remember being, you know, I remember being like, oh my God, it's my first job and, you know, taking it very seriously, learning how to count money back. I was a little flabbergasted by that at first. It took me a couple of tries. 
So yeah, that was my first job that I had all through high school. What about your first professional job? How did you get it? I mean, I had little jobs where I worked at a beeper company that sold beepers right out of, um, yeah, yeah. It was in a strip mall in Waltham, Mass. I think they were bought by Bell South. I was the um, assistant to the salespeople were out on the road selling beepers out of the back of their cars. This was pre-cell phone. Did you have a sales pitch? I was like the sales assistant. So my brief was these guys have, um, guys and girls have like a really hard gig. You need to like, when they call, tell them like, hey, how many beepers did you sell today? Like, don't worry, you're going to do it. Like, and I took that very, very seriously. You I got like there the early. I was the hype woman for the beeper sales guys who were literally selling beepers out of the back of their car. I don't even know. It doesn't even sound legal, but it was. And um, then I would like uh, connect all the people, the customers. So I had to talk to them. And then it was bought by Bell South when they were in existence and, you know, kind of moved into being a, a cell phone company. And then I worked for a recruitment ad agency, which was like so amazing because I was like, I couldn't get a job in a actual ad agency. I was in Boston at the time because um, I graduated college in 91 because I didn't type fast enough. So I wasn't a great typist. So I would go in for these typing tasks, like sweating. I'd practice typing at home, you know, with my bachelor's degree because I was looking for jobs as the receptionist, as assistants. And again, I didn't really and have any contacts. So I was going straight, you know, starting straight at the bottom. And, you know, with my little suit from Filene's basement, like a wool suit in the middle of summer after college. Did you feel like many other people had connections? I mean, what was... Yeah, I definitely had friends who had more connections, you know, um, not like I feel like it is today, given, you know, all the people who call me about their kids coming out of school. But, um, you know, there were people whose parents, you know, worked in finance and, you know, had had different ways into different places, you know, more professional places. But I mean, we were up in Maine. We didn't, there were, I, didn't, I just didn't have any, <laughs> you know? Um, and I didn't really have like a network of friends that were fully connected. You know, it, it was just a, you know, you're just in a different spot, you know? Yeah, um, and LinkedIn, the, the LinkedInification yeah. of the world. Sort yeah, of. or the self brands, uh-huh. you know, there was no, this is what my brand's all about. This is what I'm, you know, going to try to do, it was like, I'm really hardworking and I really want to be in advertising. So I didn't get in for a couple years, but I got into the recruitment, which was literally an agency that did help on it, help wanted ads and which I was over the moon. I had my own accounts, you know, I worked on a couple little bank accounts and I had clients where we talk about, you know, how to make the help wanted ads and we get them out. I, you know, it was great. And then I, I moved out to, um, I sold my used Jetta for like a thousand dollars. You've gone to a Jetta now. No yeah, longer that I had a Jetta. Me. Didn't work that well, you know. Broke down on every major highway, but I sold that for a plane ticket to San Francisco. And then, so my first real ad agency job was at a place called Transfer International, and it was a high tech agency south of Market before high tech was cool at all. You know, everybody at the time you were like trying to go work on shampoo, you know, it, and it was like, um, Connor peripherals and like, like very legitimate high tech in a big warehouse. And it was a, it was a great experience. And I got it through a help wanted ad, you know, in the San Francisco Chronicle comes around, made a good impression from my, um, recruitment advertising background. So I was there for a couple of years, which was fantastic. And then, um, I really wanted to work at Goodby out in San Francisco. That was like the pivotal, you know, I love the Norwegian cruise line ads from the nineties and I was just, 
you know, moved. They did the got milk stuff, moved by everything they did. And, you know, I finally got in the door through applying and applying. No other way. Do you remember that interview? Um, yeah, I think I met with like a pretty established senior account man. Um, and you know, put on my best little suit. And I think I was a, probably a nervous wreck and not very articulate. You know, there's probably a good chance my voice was shaking and, um, somehow got the job. I mean, I'm sure they just saw how eager I was and how much I wanted to work there. And, um, that was really kind of the more official start of my career because it was at a place where, um, you know, I really learned the fundamentals, not the technical fundamentals. I'm sure I learned that too. And I had been learning that at, you know, the little jobs I had before, but, um, I think I really learned like how to strive for great things, great work, great ideas. I learned the importance of culture. It really grounded me on, you know, how you treat other people, you know, the pride and joy you can take in the work you do. You know, I remember the agency meetings there, and if you'd want to pitch or you were launching, you were part of a team, and I was a really junior person, you know, um, they'd present to the whole agency, this is the work, and I can remember that feeling of pride, you know, or jealousy. I wish I was a part of that, you know, that work that's coming out or that pitch was one, and I think it really... Um, instilled in me like whatever I do from a career perspective I want to feel this uh when was the last time you saw something and wished you'd done it I thought Nike did some interesting like socially and cultural things recently that you know took some courage so I know you've talked about you know growing up in Maine it's it's funny because it's one of the first things that come up when you type your name into Google which you know of course I've done multiple times and it's the first thing in your bio on your website why is Maine and growing up there so important to sort of how you got here yeah um, I mean that's a great question I think probably something I think about a lot um, you know, I met someone once who um, she was she was actually consulting for Obama on you know what he does next, and we discovered early on in the meeting that we were both from Maine. And you know, one of the comments she made to me is like, "I knew it. I knew there was something because I think people from Maine um, have this affinity toward each other, and they have an authenticity and an independence um, that's quite unique." And you know, I do I do believe that. I think there's a um, you know, I've talked about this before, but a mental stamina there about, um, you know, just figuring out what you want to do and, you know, ver- a sense of independence mm. and um, kind of like taking care of yourself, taking care of others and, you know, a real sort of drive and will to kind of make things happen. So um, I like that she identified you as, as yeah. a Mainer. Yes, we got very excited. And she's. And I thought it was an interesting comment. She goes, you know, when I meet people from Maine, which isn't that often, mm-hmm. it's like they always like each other. And we did, you know, <laughs> really, really instantly. I think there's sort of a, a common it's kind ground of like there. Canada. Like, you know, yes. every time, if, like you ever see two Canadians meet each other and it's like yeah. this immediate affinity obviously yes. a bigger country you know than yeah Maine, but yeah you just you see this sort of affinity towards each other that's really interesting yeah it's true you know it's um my mom once said that you know I'm like two hours west of the Canadian border and you know, I said you know I'm really a New Englander because my parents had moved to Connecticut for a while and you know her comment was like who are you kidding you're like you're from Maine which is borderline from Canada and it's a totally different thing <laughs> so there's a very sense of a strong sense of of um identity there, I think. 
always feel like people in wintry climates um, sort of have a different work ethic. And I, it's, it's completely an unproven theory of mine, just like a personal theory. Uh, one day I will do a research project on it. But um, do you think there's something sort of about that that kind of changes how you think about work? Um, yes, definitely. Great. So my theory is now proven. Your theory is definitely proven. You know, my father is, um, turning 80 and, you know, he is still up. We have a, you know, a lot of land up there and a big house and they're constantly doing work on it. And, you know, he still insists that when there's tons of snow, they actually get up there and have to shovel the roof, which is, you know, sort of a crazy concept, but there's so much snow, you have to get it off the roof because you're talking about feet of snow, you know, multiple feet of snow. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just something you do, you know, you get out there, you do it. You know, my mother's late seventies out there shoveling. And yeah, I think that is something that is, um, instilled in you because, um, you know, everything I can remember going to school and sometimes it was so cold that the diesel buses couldn't start. So you'd have to be prepared and think about, you know, how are you going to plow out the driveway, how people are going to come together and you're going to be able to get to school. So, you know, I think, I think there is definitely some truth to that. How does that, um, how does that change sort of how you lead today? I mean, do you look for people who sort of, well, they may not have lived in Maine um, or lived in a place where you needed to walk miles if your, you know, school bus didn't start, but is there a sense of looking for that work ethic that has become second nature to you? A hundred percent. I mean, to me, that is, everything you know of course it's like a sense of you know curiosity ambition desire but just a sense of there's a lot of people who have that you know I think the difference is people who are going to go that much further you know and I think sometimes what I do look for is people where it hasn't necessarily you know come easy for them you know they had to work hard for whatever reason and you know not just because they grew up in a cold place but you know they really had to push hard and that's what I look for you know, people who really want it. And maybe it, you know, wasn't just like, hey, this is, I'm coming to Droga 5 because I heard it's a great agency and I had a connection. But I'm sure you have that happen. Yeah. It's Droga 5. <laughs> I mean, we have, we have that happen. But, you know, when I'm hiring, you know, I really look for people who you know, worked hard to get it. And there's a reason why they want to be there. Not just because they saw the name of the agency on the list. You know, they have a belief in what we do. And maybe, you know, it took them five steps to be able to get in the door. That's interesting because so much of this industry is actually about what you just talked about. The, I mean, you know, this is not a secret, but we are in an industry which awards things on a regular basis. And I don't just mean sort of creativity, but this is an industry that prides itself in a way on having those lists, having those mm -hmm. new business tables, having, you know, we won this and then we won that. And it's interesting to me that you, of all people, actually thinks like that's not the one re only reason you should want to be here, even though Droga yeah. 5's probably been on all of those lists. Yeah. It's actually really yeah. good. Does that ever sort of, is it a tough spot? Is it a tough spot to be in your, in an industry that awards it and at the same time that can't be the only thing you look for? Um, well, I think the awards are important because it's important for talent and it's important to be, you know, people want to be recognized and, um, you know, but as far as people... I, I think what I mean is when people are coming in the door and you're thinking about like, you know, I, every time you make a hire, it's a choice to not hire someone else. So it should be, you know, a really reflective choice. So if someone's meeting with me and they're interviewing, and I would say this about the whole agency, like what I would want is a deeper um, understanding about why they want to be there, not just because they looked up 
who is on X list, the top 10 agencies I should apply there. You know, you want people who feel like, you know, I've, I worked really hard because I aspire to do this type of work and, you know, have reflected on it a little bit. And maybe I had, I couldn't even, you know, get through the HR group at a certain point, but I've worked two different jobs and I still know that I aspire to work at a agency like Droga and here's why. And sure, you're on a list, potentially, or you've won lots of awards, which is great. But having, you know, people who really want it, they've, they've thought about why. That was Sarah Thompson. And that's it for this episode of Starting Out. Thank you for listening. Starting Out is a production of Digiday Media. And our producer is Aditi Sangal. If you like this episode, please subscribe. We're on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Leave us a review and rate the show. And we're very eager to hear from you. To learn more, visit digiday.com. And I'm your host, Shreen Patek. See you next week. <laughs>